Well, good morning, everyone. So right now, there's probably three different thoughts going on around the room. Uh, some of you are asking, Landon, what happened to you? You're shorter, not as slender, and where are your wonderful shoes? <laughs> Another group of you are thinking, wait, isn't that the guy at the end of service in the video with the beautiful turquoise sweater? And if you're new today, you're probably wondering, wait, is this not how it normally is? <laughs> well, to get everyone on the same page, my name is Tanner Giffen. My wife, Casey, and I, we serve as the directors of the children's ministry here at New Anthem, known as Rhythm Kids. Now, at first, when Landon asked me to present the message today, uh, I was excited. But mostly, I thought about what it would be like to present in a room full of, well, not children. Uh, but then I started to think about it and realized that in here, it's really not as different as it is over there. I'm, of course, pointing to the Rhythm Kids hallway. Let me show you. Uh, when you all walked in today, you were greeted by someone with a smile. You were offered delicious snacks, and you started the service off with great music, right? We do all of those things in Rhythm Kids. And just like you, the kids, they don't all have it figured out either. Uh, so as I thought about it more, I realized, hey, uh, this probably won't be so different after all. Now, I will say uh, that when the weather's nice, Rhythm Kids, we have been known to go out to the playground every now and then. Uh, I asked Landon if that would be a possibility for us. He said no immediately. He didn't even, didn't even think about it, so sorry about that. Okay, well, uh, let's get into it. If you brought a Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. Uh, I told my family uh, who was attending this morning that it'll probably be somewhere between 10 minutes and 3 hours. So depending on what the Holy Spirit decides, we'll see. Uh, if you've been coming to New Anthem for any length of time, uh, you know that most sermons have a well-crafted and clever title. Uh, this is meant to create a little intrigue, uh, but also provide a little entertainment. Uh, while I do not possess the superior wordsmith abilities of Landon uh, to keep with the norm, I tried my best. So the, message of the, t uh, the title of the message today is Magicians and Dollar Dollar Bills. This will all make sense as we go along. Uh, but first, take a step back in time with me. The year, 1969. The date, July 20th. Yeah, okay. Uh, just over 50 years ago. Woohoo! Wait. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, just over 50 years ago, the world watched while Apollo 11 soared into outer space, planted man's first footsteps on the moon, and those infamous words from Neil Armstrong rang out, forever to be remembered in the history books. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Everyone remembers that part of the story. Some of you remember because you actually witnessed it, and I wouldn't doubt if you knew exactly and can remember exactly where you were when you first uh, heard those words ring across the airwaves. But what most people don't remember is a speech given by President John F. Kennedy on May 25th, 1961, in front of Congress. Not as exciting, right? In addressing Congress, the president declared that it should be our goal to put a man on the moon before the end of the decade. Uh, so here's what I want you to get from the message today. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Your desires will determine your destination. I'll say that again. Your desires will determine your destination. See, that speech reflecting the president's desire set in motion a series of decisions and events. Just over eight years, 
and get this, $25 billion spent. That's in 1969. Today, that would be roughly $152 billion that would ultimately lead to that glorious day on July 20th. Now, to expand on the idea a little bit that your desires determine your destination. Uh, said another way, what you seek will ultimately determine where you end up in every facet of your life. That means that our desires, they're a pretty big deal, wouldn't you agree? Now, take a moment and think about specific areas in your life and what your desires for those areas are. Are you seeking a promotion at work? Chances are you're, you're getting there early, you're staying late, you're doing extra, you're exceeding uh, production goals or at least striving to. You desire a promotion, so you make decisions that will put you in the direction of reaching your destination of a promotion. What about at home? You desire a great marriage. Chances are you probably commit to communicating better and you make it a priority to spend quality time together. For the men, you're, you're saying things like, yes, dear, right away, dear, and, and things of that sort. Uh, I was gonna think of an example for the women. My wife, she told me not to and just move on. So I said, yes, dear, right away, dear. Uh, you desire a great marriage, so you make decisions that will put you in the direction of reaching your destination of a great marriage. Desi desire, decision, direction, destination. Uh, there's a lot that could be said about the middle two, uh, but for today, we'll focus primarily on desire and destination. Let's find out what the Bible has to say about it. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is our desire this morning to hear from you, that your words would ring clear to us as we gather together seeking to learn, to grow, and to hopefully apply what it is for us today. May you throw off everything that hinders and entangles our attention as we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in reading this passage, it's pretty clear that the Bible has a lot to say about how we can keep our desires in check. If you're taking notes, here's the first point. You may have already seen it on screen. Uh, if we are to keep our desires in check, we have to run from some things first. Look at the passage again. It says, but you, man of God, flee from all this. You might be saying to yourself, great, Tanner. I need to run from some things, uh, but what are those things? I'm glad you asked. Turn back with me to verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3, it reads, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. Pause. A little tip for you. Remember that thing uh, about the great marriage thing a little bit ago? I would stay away from the conceited and understand nothing uh, verbiage if your goal is to have a great marriage. Just a, just a, a hot tip for you. Uh, all right, let's keep going. But, or, or they, uh, being the people referred to in, in verse 3, have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, 
strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. So in reading this, there is definitely a who that we are to run from. These are false teachers, imposters, people who cause divisions, or said another way, magicians. See, these people operate with sleight of hand, fancy misdirections and hidden motives. Uh, Romans 16 speaks directly to this, or Romans 16, 17 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. If we are to have our desires in check, in line with the destination God has for us, we must run from these people. Side note, the only way you can know when you are encountering something you need to run from, also known as the wrong thing, uh, is when you have something to compare it to, aka the right thing. Uh, I like how Matt Chandler put it. He said, if you're not confident in the authority of scriptures, you will be a slave to what sounds right. Unless you can compare the people, places, and possibilities you encounter on a daily basis against the authoritative word of God, you can't possibly make decisions necessary to reach a destination in line with God's will for your life. Now, I know that some of you here may have a harsh view uh, towards church, or or maybe you're unsure about the whole uh, Bible thing. If that's you, would you please just let us know that? Right, you can put that on your connection card. We can meet you connection corner. That's a conversation we'd love to have with you. Not, not to debate, to see who's right and who's wrong, but, but just to understand right, and, and hear your, what your story is. Okay, uh, back to running from. Uh, at the same time that we have a who, there was also a definite what. Verse 9. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Put plainly, if it is your sole desire to get rich, it will in a lot of ways, according to the Bible, end in ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So let's see, if I were to put this into kind of an equation for you, uh, the love of money equals ruin plus self-destruction plus self-inflicted grief minus faith. That's the the wandering from the faith part. Does anybody else see that as an equation for success? Okay, me neither. Another side note, you're like, gosh, this guy's a lot of side notes. I know. This is another topic for another time, but but I just want to clarify real quick one very misunderstood, often because of misquoting, point of this verse, okay? In verse 10, it says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Many, unknowingly, leave out that word and think that Christians are supposed to, to somehow shun money because, well, it's the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is not evil. Money has allowed us to do a lot of the things you see today. We purchase some equipment so that you can enjoy some great music, chairs to sit in, food to eat, paying for lights, etc. Money helped make those things happen. So if you're living with the notion that somehow money uh, will make you a bad Christian, I want you to adjust your thinking there and and, and see what God's Word really says about it. Uh, But like I said, 
that's another topic for another time. Uh, Hebrews 13, 5, we'll keep going. Keep your lives free from, watch this, the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. A quick thought about running away, fleeing from something, that usually requires for something to be doing what? Chasing you, right? Which means if we are called to flee from these false teachers and the love of money, that means it's constantly chasing you down. Now, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The bad news, if you read scripture, these two elements, they've been around a long time, okay? And and it doesn't seem like they're going to be going away anytime soon. Constantly, unceasingly pursuing you. The good news, Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. See, God's cardio is off the charts. He, you've got an ally in fleeing from these things. Uh, let me give you some practical ways real quick that you can help yourself in being ready to run from these attacks. Uh, number one, you can read. I would suggest the Bible. How can you be confident in something that you know nothing about? Uh, just a, a little bit a day. It goes a long way. And yes, that rhymed on purpose. You're welcome. Uh, pray, number two, pray. Pray to God. Short little prayers throughout the day, uh, asking for consistency uh, in strength and guidance and renewal. Uh, and number three, finally, accountability. The best form, I would suggest, is people. You need to get around people that can sense when your direction is going off course a little bit. Uh, if you're drawing a blank in any of these areas, let us know. Either at the end of service or again on your connection card. Not sure where to start with reading or prayer. Uh, we've got resources for you. Accountability, that sounds like a lot of work for you, right? Uh, let us get you plugged in, do the heavy lifting, and, and help you out. Uh, we've, we've got those things in place for you. Mm, okay, moving on. Only two hours to go. Uh, now that we know who and what we need to run from, let's check back in at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. It says, but you, man of God, flee from all this. We've covered that. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. I love that last verse. Fight the good fight of the faith. I'll say it again. Fight the good fight of the faith. You guys, say it with me one time. Fight the good fight of the faith. Uh, So as scripture has pointed out, it's not enough just to run from something. We've also got to, and this is your second point, strive for something. What are we striving for? Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Endurance and gentleness. Fighting the good fight of the faith. This is not an activity for the faint of heart. We've got chasing fleeing, striving, pursuing, fighting, right? All the good makings of an action movie, right? And if you're here today as a follower of Jesus Christ and your faith feels more like a waiting room than a car chase uh, or maybe an elevator ride more than a skydive, might I suggest the possibility that there's something missing? 
Back to point two. As I was putting this message together, uh, I was reminded of uh, the timely vacation taken by one of the families here at New Anthem just recently. Uh, they traveled up to Michigan and, and among other activities, they took on the great adventure of climbing sand dunes. Now, I've never done this myself, uh, but one of the interesting things about climbing sand dunes I learned is that it's very much like the process of our striving for our desires. Uh, so when you're climbing a sand dune, because of the steepness of the hill and, and the looseness of the sand, if you were to stop moving, you eventually begin to slide back the way you came. Did you catch that? In desiring to reach the top, you make a decision to get started in that direction. However, as you are making your way, if you stop to, number one, admire your progress, two, take a break, you sink back the way you came, getting closer to where you started once again than to where you want to end up. Let's look at some verses together that uh, better clarify this. Hebrews 10.36 says, You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. James 1.2, or I'm sorry, 1.12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 1 Corinthians 9.24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. And lastly, Philippians 3.14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You can see that in the Bible, there is such an element of dynamic living. It's a constant chase. In the same way that in order to flee from something, it must be chasing you. In order to strive for something, you must be pursuing it. So my question for you this morning is, what do you desire? Another question, what do I desire that's distracting me? perhaps an indication of something to flee from. Or another question, and this one really hit home for me. What am I chasing that God has already given me? So many of us are striving for things that God has either uh, promised to give us in his timing, or perhaps we've already been given that which we desire and are simply forgetting to rest at the finish line and thank God for it. Could you imagine going to one of these sand dunes? Uh, you're sitting there. You're watching somebody climbing to the top. They make it to the top, and, but then instead of stopping, they just continue to ravenously, chaotically, frantically just keep scratching and clawing and climbing after another hilltop that does not exist. You'd say something like, hey, you're already there. Stop and enjoy the view third and final point today. After we've ran from certain things that need to be left behind, and we are actively striving for certain qualities that God has called us towards, we must do this to make sure our desires stay in line with God's will. We must hold firm. Look at the rest of verse 12. It says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of of many witnesses. Some of you today came in here just to hear me say, don't give up. 
God has placed certain desires in your heart, cultivated these desires through specific knowledge and skill sets you possess or acquired. Don't give up. Just because the desire is there doesn't mean the road to the destination will be without its bumps. Don't give up. Don't let these things go. Don't let them be taken. Don't get distracted. Second Chronicles 15, 7. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, watch this, stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Now, as I wrap up, some of you, you need to flee from some things. Others, uh, you're striving in the wrong direction. Uh, And another group of you are realizing that you're not necessarily holding firm to your desires. You're not standing your ground. Uh, Regardless of where you find yourself, I want to encourage you today to let Jesus be your desire. He is the one desire that will clarify every aspect of your life. You want to start a new career? Let Jesus be your desire. You hoping to become the parent, spouse, sibling, friend you've always wanted? Let Jesus be your desire. Are you struggling with desire for substances uh, that you know will only lead to your ruin? You guessed it. Let Jesus be your desire. Hebrews 10, 12 says, But when this priest, being Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus is the greatest one-hit wonder the world has ever known. He laid down one track on the first take, and it stood at the top of the charts ever since then. And he did that for you. See, his destination that we see in verse 12 was at the right hand of God. It was Jesus's desire to fulfill that divine calling, leading to his decisions to, go, to do the many wonderful things he did throughout his ministry, putting him ultimately in the direction of the cross, leading to his destination at the right hand of God. See, and this is where everything changes. Most people thought that the cross was the destination, that the tomb was where it ended. But I've got good news for you today. That tomb they laid Jesus in, it became empty. Jesus laid down one sacrifice for you, defeating sin and death and every wicked desire this world has to offer. And even more, Jesus wants a relationship with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to hear from it today. Father, I pray for those that are needing to run from temptation this morning. 
we know that our desires determine our destination. So I'm praying you do what only you can do and change our desires to match yours. Help us strive for those things and hold firm when we're there. Give us courage. Give us strength. As we continue to pray, I believe that God is speaking to you in some of those areas. He could be asking you to change your desires. He could be challenging you in a desire that's affecting your love for him. It could be your job, the way you are approaching your relationships, perhaps with your finances. Don't just brush that off. Listen to what God is saying. For some of you, God might be asking you to give your ear to him for the very first time. I want you to be able to walk out of here this morning knowing that your destination is in heaven. If that's you, I want you to join me in this prayer in your heart. Acknowledge that, God, I need you. I've sinned. I've made a mess of things. But I believe in your son, Jesus. He did what I couldn't. Please save me. Forgive me and change me. I give you my life. God, thank you again for everything you do. Help each person leave here today one step closer to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.